according to the national figures, only around 9% of disabled people are actually in a full-time wheelchair. So, you know, there's everything from the wheelchair user, then right through to the people who walk with a walking flame, with people with hearing difficulties, people with visual difficulties, people that are very nervous or have complex needs, but very often do a pre-visit. So we do offer that facility that on a changeover day, they can pop in and have a look at what they're coming to. And that relieves so much stress. The access market uh, is worth around about 12 billion pounds a year in the UK. And if you are one of the handful of people that can provide the high end accessible holidays, whether it be glamping or any other type, you know, it's, it's a market that is well worth tapping into. Hello and welcome back to the Glamper Tech podcast. Uh, today we've got David and Felicity from Hogrange Holidays. They're a glamping site in Derbyshire. Um, the main thing that we're going to be talking about today is how they offer accessible stays to those who want to come and stay at their site. Uh, it's an issue that's not really talked about too often in the glamping community. So it's definitely something that we want to ra raise more awareness of. Um, and, you know, as well as being a good thing to do for, for people who have additional needs, um, we'll also get onto the fact that it can also have benefits to, to your glamping business too. Um, so before we get into that, I just want to um, introduce David and Felicity. I'll give you the floor to just introduce yourselves and uh, what Hogue Grange Holidays is as a business. Thank you. I'm, I'm David and this is my wife, my wife Felicity, is with me. Uh, we started Hogue Grange Holidays as a farm diversification right back in the planning began in 2004 and we opened in 2006 uh, with our first guests and uh, at the time having lived in the Peak District all my life didn't realise quite what a spot we were in until the first guests came in and got out of the car and went wow this is fantastic and we thought oh, that's not bad actually um, so uh, and it's, it's something that's developed over the last sort of 17 years. We've grown from a couple of cabins, four large cabins, to glamping, to um, a gypsy caravan. So we've, the, the business has been growing steadily and constantly for the last 15 years. So right from the start, we recognised that we had to do something a little bit different. Um, so the planning application asked, what are you going to do for accessibility? And we hadn't really considered it up until that point. Uh, but then we started thinking, what can we provide and how can we um, look after people with extra needs in that market? So um, with our, one of our cabins, we put in a wet room shower. And right from the start, that cabin was far more popular than the larger family cabin. And we'd expected it to be completely the other way around. Um, so we built up the business and um, people who needed our extra facilities kept returning and so we built up relationships with them and asked them what else do you need and so we became accessibility specialists and we started providing additional equipment etc. So that, that was um, one little niche and then the other thing that we did because we realised there's lots of um, accommodation in the Peak District and we've got to compete is we did um, bring your own horse on holiday as well. So again, there were very few people providing um, that facility. And we had the farm fields and the farm backs onto the High Peak Trail. So we were able to use that for riding and we got stables and I've always been interested in riding. 
that's interesting you know that we, we always advocate unique selling points and, and things that will separate you from from the local competition and that's the first time i've ever heard of the concept of bringing your own horse on holiday but um it's a that, that way it's a good one clearly if i've never heard it before um and then if that proves popular then that's a great usp um and also it's interesting about how you decided to head down the accessibility route you know it's something that you were was out of necessity perhaps to start with but then it became clear that this is something you wanted to pursue you know out of passion but also as a because as, it made sense business-wise as well um that's so true. so it's interesting to see how that's developed now so, so that that's your sort of that's an, a, a unique selling point in itself as well the fact that you that you offered to those people yeah we, we did do a lot of market research before we started and and, he, and, and the planners had asked for accessibility and when we looked at what was on offer um, even though the Peak District had got thousands of cottages and cabins and various tips, bits of accommodation, there was only about two that were accessible to any degree. And, you know, we, we, we realised that the market for it was massive. So it was more of a business decision rather than a, than a, a moral decision. But, um, you know, the two go together so well that it's just, just took off. Absolutely. And let's talk about who you're actually catering towards because i think there's a sense when we talk about accessibility that maybe you know we, we just catering towards someone in a wheelchair who's physically disabled um but it, it goes it goes far beyond that doesn't it so oh, oh it certainly does yes uh, apparently according to the national figures only around nine percent of disabled people are actually in a full-time wheelchair mm -hmm. so you know there's everything from the wheelchair user uh, and their degrees of disability vary in immensely as well but then right through to the people who walk with a walking flame with people with hearing difficulties people with visual difficulties uh, mental disabilities all sorts of things fall into that but they all need their own extra little bit of help their extra facilities so um, if you can't do wheelchair accessibility it doesn't stop you um, marketing to the other 96 percent of disabled people and even non-disabled people like you know uh, people with with young children who have to have prams and things like that like ramps and, and stuff like that will obviously help help those people yeah. as well so so it's a really really broad market and it's not the permanently disabled either as well you know if, if you may be a you know a super sportsman but if you broke your leg you're temporarily disabled and you need a little bit more help absolutely and you know it's great to sit here and talk about how how um catering to those of additional needs brings really good business benefits but i imagine it takes a lot of work as well it's not a case of just snapping your fingers and and, and making things easier i imagine there's a lot of work that that requires um you know on, ongoing work so so what what does it take to run um an accessible site it's um it is more hands-on you um, it's, it's much more difficult. You can't just um, leave the keys out for people to arrive. Um, they need perhaps a little bit more assistance. But even before you get to that point, they need more information. So you've got to have a really good website with information on exactly what you provide. And then the guests can make an informed choice as to whether we're suitable for their needs or not. Um, uh, some of them are very nervous because they've had bad experiences with holidays in the past that have said they're accessible and then they've turned up and they're not. Um, so they're a little bit wary. So sometimes they'll need some extra support on the phone to just confirm the facilities are as they say they are. Um, they might need some extra help um, booking um, 
activities and knowing what's successful in your area as well. So there's a little bit more upfront um, help and support that you can give. And the more you can give that, that gives them confidence to actually book. And, and another thing that tends to happen, not too often, but people that are very nervous or have complex needs will very often do a pre-visit. So we do offer that facility that on a changeover day, they can pop in and have a look at what they're coming to. And that relieves so much stress for them. So that when they know what they're coming to, and it's just, you know, it's, it's half an hour of our time on a, on a busy day normally, but it's very well worth it. And the other thing that um, uh, we also offer is we have some additional equipment. So we might, they might need a portable hearing loop or a portable doorbell. Um, they might need a shower chair or something like that. So on a changeover day, we've got to put those in place so they're ready for the guest. Um, but they're not there all the time, so other people, they don't get in the way for other people. Um, so there's extra time on changeover day as well. Um, and sometimes we may need to remove an item of furniture from the bedroom, like a dressing table or something. So again, it's planning and sorting all that out and working within the business and with the housekeepers to get to achieve that. Yeah. And, and are there any specific things that you can do just generally to make your glamping site more accessible? So I've heard, you know, I, th I think I've heard you speak before about where you place your units in relation to the car park, for example. Yeah, that, that's, that's very important. If, you, if you're going, if you've got multiple units and you're going to make one or two of them accessible, make them the ones nearest the car park. The, the surfaces that you are using are important, not only for wheelchairs, but for people with walk, uh, walking frames and that are just a bit unsteady on their feet. Wonderful gravel paths look nice, bark paths look nice, but they are not accessible. They, they are a real problem for some people. So, you know, um, if you've got an accessible cabin, make sure that the, the pathway to it is a good surface. It's got good lighting as well because they may be visually impaired or even those in wheelchairs or with walking difficulties need to see where they're going. They can't afford to trip on something. So the lighting is really important and make sure that they've got dedicated parking as close to that unit as possible, prefer preferably right outside of it. And this, this is all really specific stuff that wouldn't be wouldn't spring to mind straight away if you're thinking about creating an accessible site. So did you figure this out through consulting with people or was it through trial and error or a bit of both? Uh, a little bit of both. We, uh, when we started out, our, our Bible for us was the, the booklet with the Visit England National Accessible Scheme, um, which was a, a, a qualification or a grading that you can, um, you can achieve and there's a booklet that comes with that that tells you what is required and what is what will be acceptable and what isn't acceptable and we use that as a as a sort of a guide to building and designing um, and the other thing that you, you've got to do really is think right from the start is when you're designing and planning and even thinking what units you're going to put in is the space space is key um, if you can get space, you can make it, you can work with it. If you've got a very small unit, it's going to be very, very difficult to, to achieve what you're wanting to do. Yeah, well, it is possible to, to modify units. I've actually noticed recently a few more manufacturers are coming out with accessible ranges. So the big glamping pod player in the UK market is uh, Loon Valley Pods. And they, they've literally just announced an accessible unit as well. So clearly that there are steps being made probably has to be a little bit faster. But um, if, if people are looking to get, you know, custom built 
accessible units, then uh, there are manufacturers out there that will do that too. There are. It is a shame that, you know, glamping, you know, ensuite type glamping pods have been around since about 2014 or 15. And it's taken till now for the majority of them to even start thinking about it. And, and that's always been our issue when we bought buildings, the cabins, the pods and whatever. It, you, you say, oh, we need to incorporate access. And they all sort of start looking quite startled and scratching their heads about how this is going to be done. Um, so, you know, it's getting a lot better. It's getting better. So it's important that you do work with the manufacturer or, or if you're self-building, that that, that that is right from the start. Yeah. You can't add it in later. And, and the, other, the other factor is, um, you know, aim for a quality homely feel. Um, it doesn't need to be clinical. Historically, when you think of accessibility accommodation, you think of clinical and a bit like a hostel, but there's absolutely in this day and age no need for that. And it can be a really lovely space and equally as beautiful as any five-star accommodation. Yeah, there, there, are, there are manufacturers out there now making accessible bathroom fittings that are designer-led, not functionality-led, so that you walk into the bathroom and think, oh, this is a really nice bathroom. And then you look around and think, oh, hey, actually, it's accessible. Um, and it's just, you know, it's not the first thing that hits you. So that if you've got accommodation that's accessible, you won't fill it with accessible uh, people all the time. So you need to, it needs to appeal to the wider market and, and families, with young children love a wet room, especially on a sort of countryside holiday where they're going to get muddy and playing and you can just get them in there and hose them down. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, and we've, we've touched on this throughout, but let's dig into it in a little bit more detail. Um, obviously, this is a nice thing to do to provide accessible holidays for people, but um, at the end of the day, you're a business and you have to stay profitable to survive. Um, so this has to be worth doing in a business sense too, unless you're a charity or something. Um, so what are the business benefits of providing accessible stays for people with disabilities and additional needs? It's, it's amazing because once people find you and they know that your facilities suit them, they will return time and time again um, and they book well ahead. So that's a real advantage in our business that um, sometimes, often before they even leave, they'll book again for next year or they book well in advance. So it gives us a really strong business looking forward. And, and the access market on, uh, is worth around about £12 billion a year in the UK. So there's an awful lot of money um, floating around uh, to be spent. And if you are one of the handful of people that can provide the high-end accessible holidays, whether it be glamping or any other type, it, you are going to be getting, you know, it's, it's a market that is well worth tapping into. Am I right in thinking that they tend to book um, in the quieter periods a, a bit more often as well? Yes, not all, but a lot do, yes, especially if they've got um, uh, specific, you know, high-end needs and just like it a little bit quieter. Um, yes, so it is a good, good market for sort of the, the, the shoulder periods, shoulder periods yeah. quiet at times, yes. And the other thing is it's also um, encourages multi-generational visits. Um, so, for instance, granddad might have a walking frame or something um, and they'll come with the parents and then the children might be in pushchairs and they might take two or three pods or cabins together and so they can have a family celebration and a get together um, with the right facilities. 
Absolutely. And so the final question that we tend to ask our guests and, and we, we, we tailor it to each guest is, is if, if you could give one tip to a glamping site owner. So, so the question I'm going to ask you to is if you could give one tip to a prospective site owner who's thinking of starting an accessible glamping site or holiday destination, what would that be? It's going to have to be two tips because there's two others <laughs> and we don't agree. That's, that's fine. I'll, I'll go first. I think that you really need to think hard about where you market your property um, and try and avoid the large OTAs, the, the, the Airbnbs and the booking.com type places where communication directly with the guests prior to booking is difficult. You can't make, you can't have phone calls and emails are severely sort of edited if you send any information and those guests need that information to make that booking so you're much better off listing on sites that will allow you direct access to your guest rather than that firewall that you get with the large OTAs. Yeah we, we always advocate prioritizing your own website as well but that's something that we never actually thought of in terms of communicating directly with your guests when they've got additional needs so that's a very good point. So as they're talking about websites, so it, make sure that your website is accessible. Um, and you may think, well, of course it's accessible, but um, you know, some people have visual impairments and are colorblind, um, certain colors don't stand out. Uh, they need the information to know about the area and what the facilities are. So that's really important and is quite often glossed over. You can have a nice designed website, which is not really accessible. So do an accessibility audit of your website. But my main tip is before all that um, starts in the planning process and um, plan to give maximum space um, and design and careful layout and think about the little things and how people are going to use that space. Perfect. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, whether it's to book a stay or to ask about how to provide accessible uh, accommodation, how do they go about doing that? Uh, well, our website is uh, hograngeholidays.co.uk and in, info at hograngeholidays.co.uk if you want to email us. Um, we, um, and we're listed on sites such as Farmstay UK, uh, which is a direct marketing site, so people can get find us there and get our phone number and, and, and chat to us about it. Excellent. Well, all those details will be in the description of this episode as well as we'll try and dig out that Visit England National Accessibility Scheme booklet as well for anyone who wants um, that sort of Bible. Yeah, can I just add on that point, actually? Um, England have a free tool, which is like accessibility guides, and you can create an accessibility guide for your property for each individual building. And that's really good because anybody who's looking for access for um, accommodation can go there and it's a free tool so look at that perfect well we'll get we'll, a link to that as well yeah we'll get the, the link in, to that in the description as well well thank you david and felicity for giving up your time uh, as i said at the start it's something that we need to speak more about in the glamping industry and in the the general leisure and hospitality industry too um so hopefully it, it you know provides more of a, a mouthpiece for that um and yeah well thank you for giving up your time and i'm sure we'll speak soon Okay, thank you. Thank Bye. You. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glamper Tech Podcast. I hope you enjoyed and that you found value in today's episode. If you did, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us move up the podcast rankings. Thank you.